in spirit and in truth. Amen. Don't you appreciate the spirit and also the truth? That's the only way God receives our worship, of course we know, his provided way. Let's turn to Revelation 22, if you would, this morning. <clears throat> Revelation 22, 12, we'll read about our place where we're going, and then we'll look at how we're going to get there. And what we've got by the grace of God to deposit in our heart to help us to reflect that future home. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful today, Father, that we have been able to be called the people of God, given the privilege, Lord, that we could worship you and praise you and adore you. But, Father, we're thankful that we not only can worship you, but we have a desire to live for you. All kinds of folks stand and lift their hands and lift their voices and even give their talents, and we're grateful for that. But yet, Lord Jesus, we don't want to just give you our talent. We want to give you our heart. For we know that Samson... Uh, dealt with that in his aspect of his life, that he could give you his strength and his muscles and all of that, but he gave his heart to Delilah. We ask, Father, that you would help us. We don't want to just give you our muscles, our singing, our ability to play an instrument or whatever more, but we want to give you our heart. And if we give you our heart, then everything we have is yours. It's inclusive in the package. Speak to us today, Father, from your word. We love you. We just ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. you. may be seated today. <clears throat> Truly, Satan thought he had done a great thing. By being able to attack the original church of what God had established by the new birth, taking it down to a stump. He started out, of course, with just a very few things, taking the fruit off the tree, the bark, the leaves, the fellowship, the life. One by one by one, he thought he would absolutely eradicate the plan of God. And it seemed as if, though, that he had successfully been able to accomplish everything that he had set out for. It lay for so many, many thousands of years in the state that was so far away from the original program of God. It must have seemed as if those Satan's very plan would be able to reach the climax and accomplish what he wanted to do, which ultimately is to be able to defeat God. Now, they couldn't defeat him, of course, at the cross, couldn't defeat him at the tomb and the resurrection. So thinking maybe he could do it in a secondary way through the church, and it looked like that he had done such a thing. But little did he know that God had a plan by which he was going to be able to restore his church and bring them back to that place of what he wanted it to be. That restoration was going to be slow. It was going to be a process that would take many, many hundreds of years. And I believe we're in that last phase of that now by the grace of God. But yet he... he 
You know, looking at it, he probably, in trying to understand what God was doing and what he must do in order to counteract what God was doing and taking away from it a little at a time, be able to rob its joy, rob its peace, rob its, its satisfaction in serving God and the pleasure and being able to please the Lord. Those things might seem very small initially, might not seem that large, but Satan starts out very, very small in order to be able to accomplish the greater goal, which is to be able to make you and I look like that we are a complete failure in what God has done. And it's not just so much us alone. If he can reflect to make it look like God is the failure, that's what he wants. So if he makes you look like a failure and you are a professing Christian, then it makes it look like ultimately God is the failure, not so much you. Because if you're claiming, well, I'm just a Reagan, I'm a Smith, I'm an orange duff, I'm this or that. Oh, but you see, when you add the profession that I'm a born-again child of God, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I got victory, I believe the word of the hour, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. He loves to hear us say that, as long as it's words only, and it's from our mouths. But if he can make us eat those words and try to be able to take that profession and turn it into a reproach for the very cause that we live for, ultimately that's what he wants. We've seen him do it, have we not? But yet, by the grace of God, we know that God will absolutely accomplish what he said he's going to do. Let me read to you this morning from Restoration of the Brad Tree. He said, so we find out that he took away the joy. You know, David one time lost the joy of his salvation. He didn't lose his salvation, but he lost the joy of it. And he cried, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. See, the joy. So this little old palmer worm begin to eat that fruit of joy out. Now look here, you people make too much noise. I tell you, all this crying and this saying amen, so you mean crying and saying amen are attributes of joy? So I wonder if you saints stop saying amen and nod. I wonder if that's attributes that your joy is on its way out. Well, I know y'all think that's all right. See, some of you's already convinced it's okay if you don't say amen. You see, you've already started on your downhill in decline to losing your joy. Because you think, well, I'm giving my approval. That's not a scriptural approval. A scriptural approval is not you nodding your head at me. It's saying amen. It's saying praise the Lord. It's raising your hands. That's right. Now, come on, saints. Notice this, he says, now you people, you know, he said you're saying amen and they're shouting, it's nonsense, there's nothing to that. First thing you know, you're sitting in a big morgue, you know, sitting there, all of them dead, some of them bombing fluids of so-called doctrines of creeds pumped into their veins where the Spirit of God ought to be running. Where the old church creed pumped in there, no wonder they're icy, cold, and dead. Spiritual thermometer, 90 below zero. Somebody say amen. Everybody stretched their neck around like some kind of goose or something. You see, when it comes to a place that folks who say amen are in the minority, and then the others go to looking around at those who say, uh, looking at those who are saying amen, we've got a major problem. 
It should be the problem is those who don't say amen. That those who do, you're looking around saying, what's the matter? Can't you talk? Can't you say something? Cat got your tongue? Well, that's the way it ought to be, but needless to say, of course, it's not. Why? Because little by little, the spiritual thermometer starts heading down. As we go on in time, now come on, don't get quiet on me. As the older generation of Happy Valley, as they begin to die out, and some of you younger ones go to taking their place. By younger, I mean some of you 30s and 40s and 50-year-olds. As you begin to take to the place of the 70-year-olds and the 80 year olds, if you are, aren't careful, you are of the educated generation. You are of the college professor generation. You are of the generation that relies more on your faith of being intellectual than you are a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you all tend to be more quiet than the older general. Well, I'm going to preach. So what are you all going to turn Happy Valley into? So if the 70-year-olds and the 60-year-olds and the 80-year-olds are gone in 5 to 10 years from now, and then the 50-year-olds that are sitting here today and the 40 and the 45, then you all are the predominant number. I wonder what kind of church Happy Valley will be at that time. Would it still be a lively church that worships God? Or will it be through our education of our bachelor's degree and this and that and the other that we're more quiet and we're more reserved? Well, now, come on, children, don't frown at me. Isn't the Holy Ghost the same Holy Ghost for the X generation and the millennium generation as it is the 80-year-old and the Acts 2 generation? It ought to be, unless you Y generation and X generation's got a new version of the Holy Ghost. Oh, my goodness, I hadn't planned on going that way this morning, but apparently my boss did, so that's what's really important. You see, this is what happens in every generation. As the young ones come in, well, my friends from college will come. Well, they need to see how a real church ought to be operated. And said, are you trying to change all us? So, friend, I'm not interested in what ETSU believes about religion. I'm not interested in what Milligan College believes about religion. I didn't need a Milligan College professor. I needed a prophet of God. I didn't need some professor of psychology. I needed a restoration back to the original word with the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. Look what professed religion produces. Look at what profess produce anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-religion, anti-reality. I'm not interested in professors. I'm not interested in education. I'm interested in revelation by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, you can tell poor old brother Donnie's not educated. Well, good. I'm glad you can tell that. I hope you can tell I am revelated, though. I'll take what I've got any day out of the week and stand by any professor of psychology, mathematics, geometry, and any other. And when the rapture takes place, see which one of us is left. See which one of us is left just by profession alone. We do not want our church to be 90 degrees below zero. 
Now by that I'm not just saying jumping and screaming and hollering because we know that for many that's no more than emotion but we want it to be the real power of God with such enthusiasm that we can't wait to get back to the house of God. We can't wait to clap our hands and sing and rejoice and say amen to the word. Well, praise God. Notice now, you know, when Brother Brandon was here, of course, whenever he preached this, the embalming fluid, at that day would have been Baptist theology, Church, Church of Christ, Pentecostal, Nazarene. But the sad part about it is now we've got a lot of message embalming fluid doctrine. So uh, some of the greatest critics that a real move of God's going to have is going to be the message people that ain't been born again, which is a lot of all the message folks' problem anyhow. They ain't never been to a real genuine death and burial and resurrection to where they got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we got message preachers standing in the pulpit preaching that ain't been born again. Well, go ahead and preach to Brother Donnie. I'll tell you one thing. No man that's truly born again of the Spirit of God, how could he ever preach against the genuine experience of Acts 2? That's why some preachers preach against it. They ain't got it. Well, amen. Notice this. No wonder they're icy, cold, and dead. Spiritual thermometer, 90 below zero. Yeah, somebody say amen. Everybody stretch their neck around like some kind of goose or something. Want to know what they said? It's a shame. Well, the Spirit of God ought to be joy, peace, love. But this little old bug started eating on it, and he eat all the joy away. And what does the church become when all the joy is gone? It becomes nothing but a bunch of socialites. Well, we all come together and we drink our black coffee and then we'll have a baseball team and a basketball team. Why? Because you gotta have some sort of excitement so if folks can't get excited about the word, they'll get excited about basketball bouncing down the court. This is why we've gotta have church teams, not as long as I'm the pastor. We're not interested in having some message church team that'll play a get some other message church. We're interested in getting folks filled with the Holy Ghost and getting them born again. Come on, Happy Valley. You see, for that original church, they needed a great abundance of joy. Some of their brothers and sisters were getting their heads cut off. Nero frequently would light them and wrap them in wool and dip them in pitch, tar, T-A-R, and let, set them on fire to light his garden as the Romans would have their incest parties and their adulteries while their brothers and sisters were burning. They needed some joy. Come on, saints. They needed some joy to be able to hold their head up when they were called in that first century term of Christianos. Today, everybody, you know, pretty much in America is some sort of Christian. So it's no reproach. But Peter used that word, of course, and so did Paul as it was first found in Antioch. We consider today to be a term which is used as a great adjective. It was a derogatory term in the first century. It was like saying you were a whore or you were a liar or you were a thief. To be called a Christian in the first century was one of the lowest things you could be called. But Peter said, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him glorify God. 
So they needed some joy because theology alone won't be able to help you when your wife just got her brains dashed out on a rock. Theology won't keep you by itself when your wife just had her belly ripped open and your unborn baby's brains was dashed out on the street of Jerusalem. Quotes won't keep us in this hour. Scriptures alone won't keep us in this hour. We've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you take the joy out of being a Christian? Folks have got to have some kind of joy. You've got to have some you enjoy doing. So Satan makes church miserable and sin joyful, happy. Oh yes, happy, satisfied, fulfilling, pleasurable. Church grief, torment, sadness, sorrow. Whipping, repulsive, drinking, smoking, watching movies all the time, video games. Church. Not here. Brother Donnie, you're going to keep on. You're going to get thrown out. I've been thrown out of good places, bad places, and different places. If I'm thrown out of here, this just be another one added to my list. But it will be your damnation. You throw me out, I'll tell you where you'll throw me. Straight into the arms of Jesus. And you'll throw your children into the lake of fire. Because you see, it's not me you're rejecting. It's not men you reject when you turn down God's word. It is God. It is God. America never rejected so much William Branham. They rejected God's voice to this generation. And our nation has gone downhill since. Oh my, can it go on? Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Paul, what a strange thing that this must have been in that time frame. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorifying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful. So if you was the devil in the first century and you heard this, what would be one of the main factors you'd want to work on? Get their joy. Can you believe these people were able to have such joy under such difficulty? 
So they didn't just have joy when everything was going good and God was answering their prayers and folks were being healed and things was happening in such a, a great supernatural way. But they were so cued into the Spirit of God, they were able to have exceeding joy in the middle of trials that were unbelievable. How many of us can be honest today and say, I need help in that department of my life? Oh, Terry, what a thing for a man to say. I am filled with paracletuses. Now this is from the same group word, which is paracletos, which is the one called alongside to help. So I'm filled with paracletuses. I have such comfort and such joy and I've got just a bit. I've got so much comfort and so much joy in my tribulations, I don't have it even express it. Now today, of course, that would be associated with BMWs, Mercedes, two or three homes in the ridges, condos in South Carolina, beach house in Hawaii, Yachts, all your bills paid. Oh, yes, yes. Now you're talking my language, Brother Donnie. No, I'm not talking the language of a child of God. Our joy don't come by what we own in this life. Our joy comes because the tree of life is already blooming in our yard. Great is my bonus of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding, look at this word, much more abound, to abound beyond measure, to overflow, to enjoy abundantly. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Okay, I'll close now, we'll all come to the altar. beginning with the preacher. Because I'm just like you, sometimes I groan and complain and moan and how come me, Lord, and what's going on with me? Now come on, all you angels, y'all forgive all the rest of us humans. But what, you, don't you see why Satan wants to eat on our joy? Because we come to church and we look like we swallowed a polecat before we walk into the door. We act like we're all mad and all upset and we want somebody to have what we got. Why? The bug has bit you. He's ate away your joy. After church, I will be dismissing all the adults and I will maintain all the kids in church and I will go to them individually and ask how it is in your home. Because kids are not like the parents which put on hypocrite faces. The kids will tell you how it is. My mama does this. My daddy said that. My mama, uh-oh. Boy, as soon as I say, let's all stand today, the church will empty out, won't it? You'll grab them youngers by the hand and say, come on, we're going to the house. Oh, thank God for the truth. Friends, don't you understand that God knows 
as Christians, we must have fun. <laughs> to me, I know I'm weird. I know that. I know I'm strange. To me, the greatest fun and pleasure that I have is being a Christian. Going to church, getting under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, praying, reading my Bible, studying, get carried away to revelation of the Word. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom am having not seen? Peter writing to a group of people that had not seen the body of the Lord Jesus. He wants to commend them, first of all. Having not seen. Jesus does the same thing, of course, in St. John 20 and 28. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Now I'm going to read about you. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now Peter compliments him and said, Wherefore having not seen, ye love. You ain't even seen him. How I many knows that's the truth? You've not even seen him. And yet ye love. In whom, though now ye have seen him, not yet believing, ye rejoice. With joy unspeakable and full of glory. Unspeakable. The beautiful Greek word which means unable to find expression in words. Literally unutterable. This is the only place in the entire canon of scripture, Old or New Testament, that this word is used and it was used by a man which was termed to be ignorant and unlearned. So I ask you, who knew the most in the days of Peter? Socrates, Plato, the professors, or a man filled with the Holy Ghost? Now when Peter surveyed it home, I remember this time frame, people are dying, people are getting killed, even Peter himself says, I know by the Lord Jesus has showed me I must put off this my tabernacle. He knew it was coming and yet he described this Holy Ghost way as being with such joy. It was just He couldn't find words to describe it. <laughs> oh my, joy too great for words. A joy which entirely surpasses all human understanding. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Second Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be unto God for his indescribable to describe and commemorate which words fail now this I realize is only for only for the elect because they're the only ones that actually feel it this way everybody else can describe how they feel well I feel down I feel weary I feel this I feel that you've not went far enough yet 
When you get to a spot that you get so hid in Christ by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, your human words are run out. Your bachelor's degree, your master's degree, all your theology, none of it will ever endow you with the ability to describe what the true baptism of the Holy Ghost really does for you. In reality, it's better felt than told. Well, tell me how it makes you feel. Well, uh, well, I asked so and so to tell me, why he, he couldn't say nothing. He's got her. <laughs> Brother Homer sent me this quote after church last night. Now, believer, have you got your joy shoes on? How many come to church today with your joy shoes on? Now, I can see right now some of y'all wore your grouchy boots. Some of y'all rode your bad mood shoes. You should have left them outside. You should have come to church with your joy shoes on. Listen to this. He said, if you are a Christian, if you are truly God's child, the Bible said, that's not no preacher. That's the Bible. It said your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Oh my, the same time that Christ, that God sent Christ to be slain, he wrote your name with his Yep, I can see it right now. Some of y'all wore your bad mood shoes. That didn't even move some of you all. Hallelujah. But I think I'll just read it again because some of you might want to kick them old shoes off and get barefooted. Notice this. He wrote your name was his. And Brother Branham says, hallelujah, there you are. Your name was written, he said, and he deceived all great and small, both church members, pretended Christians. He deceived all names who's not written, not in the church book, but in the Lamb's book of life. When? Before the foundation of the world, God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life by his spoken word. God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life by his spoken word. Brother Donnie, I thought the spoken word's original seed. Same thing. Glory to God. Oh, but you see, Satan would rather make church. And how long you'll preach today? Man, I wish I had access to that iPad to see what page he's on. Reckon how many more pages he's got. Oh, Charlie's has got that big steak. Oh, I can taste it. Oh, that baked potato and that butter and sour cream. I'm fixing to dismiss, Santa. My, them rolls, oh, just savory. 
If you'd even compare such a thing to the Word of God, there's something missing in your walk, friends. So what you want to do? You want to rob the joy out of church, the fun out of church. I'm talking about stupidity and foolishness. I'm talking about enjoying the Word of God. I read it yesterday where Brother Bram said he was in a place preaching and he said the word got so good he started slobbering like a hay-eating clover or horse-eating clover. He said he got to spitting and a slobbering all over his mouth, took his shirt sleeve and had to wipe the slobbers off. Oh my goodness, some of you. Oh, y'all are so finesse, aren't you? Show me how to eat the unveiling body word of the Son of Man with etiquette. Well, Brother Donnie, it's simple. You lay aside your emotions and you... is my personal savior. Whoops, I dropped my napkin. A thousand pardons. Where was I? Yes, yes, savior. That ain't the way I got it. The restaurant that I got mine was called Upper Room. I come out like this. That's the way my brother Peter got it. Peter didn't come out in the evening. We're so glad you're gathered with us here today. We are here to try our very best to keep from offending anyone. So we will preach nothing but trash and garbage in order to keep from offending anybody. They said, what have we got to do? He said, I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to repent. And you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And then he'll give you the Holy Ghost the way I got it. <laughs> Notice this, the prophet said, he wrote your name was his. Hallelujah. You imagine Jesus' name being the first one on the book of life, Lamb's book of life. And before the foundation of the world, God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life by his spoken word. Now, this is your true and original name. Not Donnie Reagan, not Harry Reagan, not Brad Yance, but your true and original word name. Oh, God saw my choice, and then God based his choice upon my choice. Nonsense. False doctrine. God chose you before there was a foundation of the world. 
He sent Christ a sacrifice to buy and redeem that same group that he had wrote their name in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Come on, saints, get your joy shoes on. The same God that before the foundation of the world called your name and wrote it. Lord Judah, before there was ever a devil, before there was ever a headache, a heartache, a sorrow, God spoke your name. He called your name and wrote it in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. He has already made a place <laughs> in glory for you. When this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we already have one waiting for us in the way he's fashioned. There you are. That's the gospel. But of course, when you lose your joy, you say, you okay? I don't know. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. What do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to make it. I, I'm struggling. Well, you need to understand what salvation is then. It ain't about you struggling. It ain't about what you've done or haven't done. It's what he's already done for you. Notice he said this morning, the Holy Spirit through the word is bringing you the good news. Believe what you want to believe. I believe the Holy Ghost inspired Brother Homer to send me that quote so I could be able to preach it to you this morning. And right now what I'm preaching in Johnson City, it's reverberating in Norway and South Africa and Zimbabwe and England all over the world. Why? So the Holy Ghost could send the good news to the little sheep of God. Your name is on his book and nothing's going to stop Poor old devil, he put his pouting boots on whenever he saw I was going to read this quote this morning. <laughs> the devil sent his demons up here to Happy Valley Church on and they had on steel-toed shoes. They said, boys, look out. He's going to make it rough on us today. But I'll tell you what, as soon as he reads that quote, start questioning some of them in their mind. But that ain't you. But that ain't you. Go ahead and torment them and aggravate them. Remind them what they've done wrong this week. Remind them what they've done wrong last week. But get your shoes on and dance on that devil's head. Hallelujah. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. All the devils out of hell can't erase it out of there. God wrote it and spoke it. It's just as sure to happen as God wrote it in there before the foundation of the world. Amen. 
But of course, if you make mistakes, and most of us still do, I assume, then he would rather point you to that. So you come into church with a big old mistake galoshes on. And you sit down and throw your trash all over everybody around you and they, they come to church feeling real good. And you come in with all this beat down thing on you. The song leaders can't get you up. Got so much weight in them galoshes. Preacher has to preach 45 minutes. You done wore him down to a frazzle. By the time you're about ready to break through, he's done down. God loves you. Don't love me. God loved you before the foundation of the world. Oh, it's hard for everybody else. It ain't me. He don't know my problems. I don't have to. The God who saved you knew how rotten you would be. The God who saved you wrote your name there knew that you would not be perfect. He knew you would struggle. He knew you would have difficulty, but he loved you anyway. In spite of yourself. Well, if I was as good as you, Brother Donnie, <laughs> you're nuts. Do you think there is one good human being on the earth? There is none good. No, not one. Oh, I said, I always thank our Heavenly Father and His infinite love and His mercy to do that for us. It's not your perfection. It's His perfection of His Word. He chose you. You never chose Him. If you still got them boots on, out of my way, because I'm heading that direction. He brought you into Christ, Lord, and you are secure with Jesus Christ and just as perfect as Christ was before God. Go ahead and cry. That's all right. Go ahead and cry. And then get your shouting shoes on. <laughs> well, you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself and keep crying more than old crocodile tears and fill up them galoshes of yours. Or you can go ahead and wipe them tears of joy out of your eyes and say, would somebody hold my mules? I'll be back in a minute. Praise be to God. It's not because of who I am or what I have done or what I have failed to do. I am as perfect as Christ Jesus. Why, oh my, because God willed it thus. 
Do we need revelation to help us to believe this? Can I go on a bit? Notice this. Let me tell you, brother, God's going to raise up a generation of people. Now, I marvel how many brothers will read the quotes about God's going to have a generation with signs and wonders and miracles and so on and so on. And how few of them read this one. God's going to raise up a generation of people out of all this dead stuff that's going to restore, saith the Lord. God's going to raise up people who believe in signs and wonders. But apparently there's something else just as important to God as signs and wonders. He's going to raise up a people who's got joy unspeakable and full of glory. You mean, Brother Skip, that's important to God. That was part of what the original church was. Why don't we just focus on healing? Why don't we just focus on miracles? They wasn't just a miracle church. They was a happy church. They was a joyful church. They was a church at peace with God. And when the rushing mighty wind comes, it gives right into it and frolics and dances and glorifies God. Now, Brother Brandon was talking about, he was up in Canada and he said he went on a horseback ride one night and he went through this wilderness and there was a bunch of big old stately tall pines and the wind started blowing and the moon was shining full moon and he come up to that brother down, he said it was a spooky, scary place. The wind come down and come to the like folks in the church sometimes. I don't believe in that. Brother Donnie is Pentecostal, and I say, Amen. The original Pentecost. If you think you're going to shame me by saying that, brother, you might as well just forget it. Notice this, but he saw down underneath some great old big pines and he said he saw one big one, big old tree, and it was dead. Life was gone, bark was gone, nothing was on it. And it was standing there and the wind come through it and it was making this mournful sound. You ought to hear him make that sound. But he said, I noticed some of that young, tender undergrowth. And the wind come through on that undergrowth, young, tender. I'm glad we got some young folks that sit up here in front, amen. Clap their hands, worship God. Don't you appreciate that about our young people that want to serve the Lord and want to be in the house of God? Amen. He said, one thing I noticed was when that wind got to blowing, that young undergrowth, it went, and it was kind of frolicking a little bit. I'm not sure how you frolic in style, but I'm sure some of you style people understand, I suppose. But Brother Donnie, what if somebody's seen me shout? 
My God, if some, some folks sing, y'all shout, they'd break forth in revival. No telling. No telling what would happen. It frolics and dances and glorify God. Hallelujah. Green leaves are clapping their hands and having a wonderful time. Well, what a frolic. That little undergrowth was a heaven. That big old tree standing there just a moaning and groaning. Halloween ever church service. <laughs> Folks put up these scary houses and all these things one time a year. I figure they're up every day. That's what some of these churches are. They're scary houses for a child of God. Some preacher get up there in the pulpit 90 degrees below zero morning out some type of theology. That little undergrowth just looking up and say, won't we have a time? Won't we have a time? Under the shadow of the big stately message morgue. That's a no-no. It might be a no-no to you. It's a yes-yes to me. Hallelujah. Why? Because church is still pleasurable. When I go to church, I don't look at it as going to the rack. I look at it that the devil is going to the rack. Setting sin in your life can go to the rack. We're going to church today? I reckon. The deacons will call us if we don't. You know what he's going to do. He's going to stand up there and spit and slobber and throw sweat all over everybody. Act like an absolute wild man. Does he really believe people believe this? I do. As a matter of fact, these folks around the world that absolutely love it. They put their shouting shoes on. Oh, some of you can come here three times a week if you wish. There's folks in South Africa. There's folks all over the world that don't have internet and they have to wait. They'll listen to this service two or three months down the road. And they go to their mailbox in the jungles waiting to get these services that you have the opportunity to hear just like that. Apparently they don't think it's a wreck. I love the way Brother Bam says this in the Tyson Spirits, and I'm gonna close after a while. 
drunkard for going out and getting drunk. He's all moody. He don't know he gets up in the morning. He's got the blues. A hangover goes out and gets him two or three bottles of beer. Goes out and gets him some whiskey. All that kind of stuff. Little old cigarette sucker. Sets in smoke and blow it through his nose like a freight train. Because now they not only smoke cigarettes, but they vape. Which makes them a bigger freight train. Notice Brother Rebbe said, I don't blame him. That's all the joy he knows. Can you imagine now that's your joy? I mean, get everything out of it you can. come to church. I mean, he's happy to be here tonight. I'm not decided yet. It's all going to depend on how it goes. Well, how it goes will depend upon how you go because how you go depends on how it goes. Try to try to emphasize to your friend that makes no difference who stands behind this pulpit. You are a great drunk until you leave this world. Praise <laughs> God. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is a constant stimulation. It is a constant intoxication. Drunk day and night. So now for the first time in over 30 years since I've been here, some of you all just now understand my problem. I'm a drunk. Now you all see clearly. Now I see what's wrong with him. He's drunk. I am intoxicated hallelujah a perfect intoxication Al alcohol is not a perfect intoxication but the baptism of the Holy Ghost is it won't make you leave your children it won't make you leave your wife it will make you pay your bills and do what's right All right, 
Now let's dissect this quote before we close. So no doubt hundreds of you here today and hundreds of you that will hear this will say and believe you have the Holy Ghost. You hear this red and it does something for you. But then if Satan can turn right around and rob you to our days on end go and you're not intoxicated. Days turn into weeks and weeks into months because of one issue and another issue, financial issues, family issues, and we're looking at our issues and we're magnifying our issues. Instead of going back to the vine. Now friends, just be honest. Either this quote that I read you is the truth or it is a lie and William Branham was a false prophet. Not only him, but Paul and Peter and John and all the rest of them that wrote the New Testament. We do not believe he was a false prophet, nor do we believe the Bible is wrong. We believe that little bug has eaten our joy. Making our circumstances bigger than our God. Making our issues bigger than our deliverer. Go to bed with it on your mind. You get up with it on your mind. At morning break, it's on your mind. At lunch, it's on your mind. At noontime, it's on your mind. You're too sober. You imagine a man that's drunk as a dog, as they say. I don't know why they ever say that because I never did see a dog drink, but I've heard that all my life. He just comes out, people blow the horn, hey, hey, how you doing? I didn't know him. You walked out in front of him, you crazy thing. Oh, really? I thought he was blowing at me. But we're so sober. We specialize in... Some of y'all don't just chew your nails, you chew back to the quick. You go pump back to the knuckle joint. Because, of course, your father don't care about you. And he doesn't love you. And he's really not going to help you in the time of trouble and distress. And you, you have a, a God that's in heaven, but he, he really doesn't care about you very much. So you have to do your job in his. So you've got to do this thing about being God. You've got to play this part about being God. You're also, I don't do no such a thing. Many of you turned in your resume to take God's place right after you got saved. You're playing the part of God in your life. So that's why you've got to worry. You've got to fret. You've got to work everything out. You've got to make it all happen. You've got to do it all because God's way too busy for you. You're too sober. If you're drunk, you'd say, Hallelujah! God, you're going to be up all night. You worry about it. I'm going to bed.
until we have this difficult part in our life. We play the Christian part, the submissive part. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you, Father. Help me, oh, blessed God. And then you go back to being God. All right, son, I'll tell you one thing. I'll take care of this and that and the other. But you're going to have to do this and you're going to, and if you mess up one time, I'm getting you, boy, I'll tell you one thing. You better do this and you better not sleep in. What are you doing closing your eyes? You stay awake. And the demons are sitting in your recliners getting the sleep you should have. Oh, what'd you do last night? Up all night long. Didn't sleep a wink. Did you get anything fixed? Me and Carol, from time to time, we sit down and we talk about different issues in the church and issues in churches around the world and issues of stuff. We fix every problem that's fixable. We have the solution. We know everything that everybody should do. We fix the whole thing under 30 minutes. Oh, I see me and Carol, so I'm the only ones that do that. Let me close. Brother Bram said, why do we turn to drinking, gambling, smoking, carrying on the way we do to find pleasure? Is it because there's no pleasure in the house of God? Is it that because there's no joy in serving the Lord that we have to hush that precious desire in our heart with the things of the world? I wonder... What will happen? Do you think you're just going to, well, it's just my own loss. It's not quite that simple. I wonder what will happen when God requires us at the day of judgment and asks us, why did we go to such things as that for pleasure? When the Christian's pleasure is the Lord. He's got joy unspeakable and full of glory for his believers. If a man refuses to take the remedy, don't blame God. It's the patient's stubbornness. God's got joy unspeakable for the believer. He's got power unlimited for the believer. He's got healing, salvation. He's got glory. He's got goodness. He's got mercy. But if the subject, listen, refuses to receive the remedy of sin and the remedy to get rid of it, all of his hatred and malice, don't blame God. It's because it's laying right at your fingertips. And you can receive it. Oh, you say, well, if I just had faith, faith is given to you. Can't you see why people will be without excuse? They have to have faith to do it and God even provides the faith. And it's laying not a world away, not heaven away, but right at your fingertips. Look friends, let me just put some of your minds at ease. Some of you forget about being rich. Just forget it. 
God never meant for everybody to be rich. Just forget it. You're worrying about trying to be rich. You're worrying about trying to be, some of you are trying to be pretty. Oh, Lord. With some of our looks, it'll take the change to make us presentable. That's me included. Why not focus on something? Harry, is it possible that joy in the time of such trouble and such tribulation, joy is just right at our fingertips, that close, not a world away, not months away or weeks away, but actually they're all but Brother Donnie, if I just had faith, and he knows sometimes we'll be short of faith, so he says, I'll even help you with that. I'll give you the faith too. Oh, no, Lord, no, 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 I'm not worthy. You don't understand, I'm not worthy. I, I, I just couldn't do it. We'll go on and be tormented then. And then when you stand before God, God will ask you, why did you live that life in such misery? I provided peace for you. I wanted to nurture you. I wanted to love you. I wanted to satisfy you in such a way and you longed for it because when you heard them preachers talk about it, you thought, oh God, if I could do that, you longed for it. But you never was willing to submit to me. God will make you answer for what you didn't have in this life. By God's grace, I'm not going to be guilty of such. Now, if you can be guilty of asking for too much, why shouldn't I enjoy peace? Why shouldn't I have on my dancing shoes? Why shouldn't I have a peace that passes Blessing us with what? Divine healing, foreknowledge, revelation, visions, powers, tongues, interpretations, wisdom, knowledge, and all the heavenly blessings and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Every heart filled with the Spirit, walking together, setting together in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. God by his election grace called you. God by his election grace sanctified you. God by his election grace, praise God, sound like to me he had everything to do with this and I had nothing. God by his election grace and power baptized you and put you into this land of rest. And they which have entered into this rest have ceased from their going astray. They cease from their works like God did from his. They have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The tree of life is blooming in them. Already in this life,
They're reflecting what's going to be on the streets of gold. The tree of life is blooming. This is why the bride tree must be restored in order for the tree of life, Christ, to come back in her. So he blooms out forgiveness. He blooms out mercy. He blooms out joy unspeakable in the midst of trials. The tree of life is blooming in them because their hope is anchored in Christ Jesus. The witness of the Holy Ghost bearing record with signs and wonders following the believers. Let me read another encounter. Wait till the satisfaction comes. That satisfaction portion of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Then these joy bells of shouting and bleep, 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 bleep. And speaking in tongues. And dancing in the spirit will will come. You won't have to do it by the music. You will do it when you're going down the road in your car. You will do it when you're sweeping the floor. You will do it when you're driving nails in the wall with your carpenter work. Wherever you are, that joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's a Jesus I want to be able to take out these doors of Happy Valley Church. Don't you, saints? Let's bow our heads together if you would. Praise God. What a paradox. Heaven contains all these things, of course, in its fullness and its greatness. What a land it'll be when we get there. But the Lord Jesus wants those who are filled with the Holy Ghost to already have a portion of them in their life right now going that way. Why? Because the tree of life is blooming. There, the tree of life will bloom in every yard. And now he's blooming in your inner court which is your yard, so to speak. I don't want to just be your neighbor and see the tree of life blooming in your walk, in your Christian experience. I want the tree of life blooming in my yard, my garden. Praise God. How many wants it today? You know, you'll have to fight now. Like with any garden, our earth is still cursed and it seems more fertile to weeds and brambles and briars and all that than it is good plants you want to grow. It takes so much effort to be able to grow a beautiful flower garden or roses or a vegetable garden or whatever more. And you don't see anybody spraying miracle growing in some weed or in any type of weeds. It just grows wild. That's right. So is your nature, your humanity. But it'll take you your entire life to keep your garden fertile. Keep the weeds called out. Praise the Lord. But it's possible, friends. You believe it? If you'd like for God to help you today, would you just raise your hand? Mine's up with you. I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at our lives, 
We know that they are comparable, of course, to the, the earth, gardens, planting. They're comparable to the Garden of Eden, its beautiful state that it was in. And then when man fell, the state that it became, fallen and regenerate. And now the Garden of Eden is totally lost. We don't even know where it's at. It's so lost, there's not one trace left. Somewhere in Egypt, boarding Mesopotamia, boarding Israel, we don't know. We don't know. Because it's fallen so far. And Lord, that's the way we were when we come to this earth. We were so far gone. Our nature was like the world. We loved the world and the things of the world. But when you spoke our name and wrote it in the Lamb's Book of Life, that guaranteed a deposit of an attribute of your thinking. So we come to the earth, that little seed went in us. It laid there for years and years dormant. But one day we heard the scream of the eagle. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. For many of us, we've been on this journey for many, many years. Lord, only too many more settings of the sun. We see them one by one. They're crossing over. We see, Lord, that soon time will be finished and you will come and catch us away. Lord, we're not looking for just an easy way out of here. I, I, I want to go home, yes, but I want to stay here and fight till the last day that my card is called. I ain't no coward. I ain't no yellow belly. I'll stand and fight, God. As long as you give me courage and strengthen in my right mind, help me, Jesus. I don't want to wound myself so I can wind up in the kitchen. If I'm called to stand on the front line, let me stand there if I'm 80 years old. If they have to roll me out of the office in a wheelchair, if they can get me under the anointing, when the anointing strikes, I'll come out of that wheelchair. Lord God, let us do our best. Let us be faithful. Let the tree of life bloom in my yard. Lord Jesus, let me have joy, peace, temperance, godliness, kindness. Let me have all these wonderful things in full fruition, Lord, of being what you want me to be. Grant it, I pray, Lord. Grant it to these, your children. Not only these in the visible audience. Lord, we realize there's many, many, many more that these sermons affect than what's here. This is the smallest crowd that we preach to, the ones that's visible. So may you go to those that don't have a church. May you go to those, Lord God, that don't have a pastor. May you help them today. May you be able to wrap your arms around them and let them know you love them just as much as you do the sanctuary at Happy Valley. You're concerned about them, Lord Jesus. We confess our shortcomings to you today, Father, and we ask for your help. Grant it, I pray, Lord. Hallelujah. And the saint said, 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many wants more of the joy of the Lord? How many enjoys doing natural things of life? Hunting, fishing, cooking, knitting, crocheting. Well, maybe a lot of you brothers wouldn't enjoy making a dress, but I mean, some of you sisters, you'd enjoy. Is there anything wrong with that? No, as long as you don't make an idol out of it. But the absolute greatest pleasure of your life should be Jesus Christ. And when I say that, I'm just not talking about some being that you don't know what he is. But as I read to you last night, Brother Ben said, the joy of the Lord is the house of the Lord. So it's not just saying you're a Christian and never attending church. It's not saying you're a Christian and never having this within you, but you being able to be this type of Christian. As people who go to ball games, as we read it last night, or go to horse races or whatever more that they do, and they sat there and scream and holler and whatever more because they enjoy doing it. And then some of them same people come to church and sit there and look at the preacher like he's crazy. I don't question the preacher. I question them. Because they get more excited about a pig skin than they do God behind skin. Praise the Lord. Our greatest pleasure of all should be Him. If yours isn't that way today, just ask Him to help you. Because friends, those are the only ones going in the rapture. That's the heavenly court. It's the spiritual magnetism by deity that pulls to their souls. For those of you that were here the other night at Sister Benton's funeral, I'll tell you what, the Lord, the Lord really spoke to our hearts. Right. Thursday morning, I got up and went downstairs and started studying into that again. It just so blessed my soul. Remember the Darrell was talking about it after church? I said, Brother Darrell, I said, as I stand there preaching that funeral, it made it so real to me. Why? When we recognized the word of God was eagle food, we heard from our theophany. The theophany comes from the root word theos which is the group, the group word that we use for God. So a theophany is your God-like body. So when you hear from the word of God and you recognize, praise God, you left the other thing, you heard from your God-like body. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But while we are here, we want to bring this tent in subjection to the word. Do we not? Let's sing here. Can we just worship him now just a little bit before we go? Well, praise the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody. If you've enjoyed church today, tell them. If you haven't, don't lie to them. Just say, God bless you. Falling in love Amen. with Jesus. Oh, yes, Falling in love, in love. with Jesus.